Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for future topics you would like me to cover, please do get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Today's episode is the second of a two-part series featuring lead chronic kidney disease nurse, Patsy Moye. In part one, we looked at creatinine, AKI, potassium, and others. And today in part two, we continue with a guide to understanding your renal blood test results. The next one um, is CORCA. Yes, corrected calcium. Now, when you are looking at a calcium result, it's just not the normal calcium you, you look at. You need to look at the corrected calcium. Like I, I can tell you again, actually, many years ago, we used to calculate it by ourselves because the labs never used to give you the corrected calcium. That is calcium that is piggybacked on your albumin. That is what you check for. It's calcium that is carried on the albumin. Okay. Okay. So that is corrected. And, and that is what you measure. That's what, that's what you go by. That is what should be between 2.01 to 2.6. Okay. And if it's too high, then we need to find ways of getting get, getting it down. And if you are on alpha calcidol, we need to reduce the dosage. So somebody has to look at what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. The next one is phosphate. Phosphate actually is part of the bonds as well. It is very involved in the in the um, in the um, uh, um, uh, PTH and calcium cycle. Now, what happens is actually when you are having this calcium leached out, you also you also can have the phosphate being leached out as well from your bones. So, but then phosphate actually we need it for our bones. Normal should be uh, one point four. No, no, not it should be 0.08 to 1.4. So 0.08 to 1.4. And um, sometimes some people t- t- uh, will allow you to get to 1.6 again, but then it's just very much 1.4. Now, when it's high, it makes you itch like 10 devils. <laughs> you itch everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you itch and itch and itch. Oh, wow. um, okay. So what we do is we keep an eye on it. And when we see it rising, we, ke- we give you some phosphate binders. Sporsex is one of them. You know, those tablets that you are told to take with your food. Because what th- the way they work is they actually bind the phosphate that is the, the food that you've just eaten. Mm-hmm. And hold it in the gut and just let it come out of you. Right. Because if you absorb it, it's very difficult. Even on dialysis, it's very difficult to get rid of phosphate. Right. So we we tell you to um not take that tablet without any food. Because some of the ta- these tablets have got a calcium base, they've got calcium in them. So if you take them without 
food at all. You just absorb the calcium. And if your calcium was normal, you end up with a very high calcium, which will cause you problems. Right. So it's just remembering that with your phosphate binders, you take them only with food in your stomach. If there's nothing in there, they do you more harm than any good. That's a very important point for people. So for anybody on that medication, make sure. Yeah, on phosphate binders, yes. Eat it. You take yes. the tablets with food. Yes, yes. Very important. There's a more, there's more, there's more names for the phosphate binders. There are more, more different types. But I just want you to know if somebody's t- putting you on a phosphate binder, they'll tell you that, oh, we need to put you on phosphate binders, different ones. Take them with your food or else your phosphate will be <clears throat> everywhere. Right. <clears throat> the next one is ALK phos. So the alkaline alkaline phosphate, I left it there, although it's one of the liver functions that tends to go up if your parathyroid hormone is is, is active, is too active. That's why I just left it there. I'm not going to talk it, talk about it regarding the, um, the, the, the liver at all. I'm just going to say one of the reasons I sort of like look at uh, alkaline phosphate is, is, is because it's alkaline phosphate is because it goes up if the parathyroid hormone is high as well. So if it's high, look at the parathyroids. If they are all right, then you think what's happening. Some, but something to do with the liver. If it's high and the PTH is high, then it's PTH. So they kind, okay. of, kind of really go hand, a lot of these go hand in hand. They, they go, yes. Knocks on <coughs> they, the other and if one's out, then it knocks on. Okay. So the next one you've touched on. Um, is PTH mm-hmm. for Yes, it is what's a PTH? I think I've I think I've pronounced that wrong. PTH Fresnius? Yes, it's just again. Remember, like we're talking about the different assays. That that, that that is just a different way that is done. That is a different company. Fresnius is a different company that 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 actually provides that that oh. that that type of measure. Oh, yeah, okay. and then yeah. So it's just pH is the same, and then and your the the pH again at the levels they are not. Um, they tend to say the kidney patients can uh, the pH can go three times above the normal. Right. It's only when it gets to about three times the normal that we start treating it. Some sometimes we just watch it and try to do other things before we start treating it. And what's the okay. normal for PTH again? It depends on the on which 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 assays you are using. Um, for the Fresenius one, I think it's much much lower in single numbers, and for the other one, it's actually in, in in double numbers. So I would actually just say look at what what your lab is using, and then go by that. And remember, we don't want it to be too high then with PTH because, like, remember, it's leaching your calcium from your bones. And you can have you can have calcified uh, blood vessels, calcified muscles if it's left alone, right. which is very painful actually when it happens in the muscles. So I would say with PTH, look at your because actually that is one of the very difficult parts of nephrology about kidney care, uh, to organizing what PTH, what calcium, what or what what tablet to put it on. But it's not that difficult. So this is why I was, I, I prefer you discuss that particular one with your doctor. And plus also the treatments also depend depends on 
whether it's what they call primary hyperparathyroidism or secondary hyperparathyroidism, what has caused it? How, when did it come? Or is it, is it, is it, is what is, what, what, what is happening there? So it's, it's, it's a bit of a more complicated area of, of nephrology, but not difficult actually, but it's just what I say that if you don't have calcium, mostly if you don't have vitamin D, even from the sun, you don't absorb calcium. If you don't absorb calcium, your parathyroids try to scrounge for calcium. They leach it from your bones and your teeth. So if you wake up and your teeth, all your teeth are hurting, go and ask someone to check your parathyroids. (laughs) And also your bones, like a lot of patients who have had like high high calciums and high parathyroids, they sometimes used to come and say, oh, I had to walk around all night. I couldn't sleep. That's one thing that they used to say. They almost have to put up like weight on their bones. Um, I don't know. It could be different in other people, but it's just remembering that. Don't allow that to happen because it, it is it, it is one of those areas that will cause aches and pains everywhere. Because like imagine when your calcium is coming out of your bones, you, you have a lot of aches and pains. So just remember. And yet we can prevent it by just making sure that things are controlled. Okay. So the next one you've spoken about already, uh-huh. um, which is vitamin D. So yes. in terms of vitamin D, what is vitamin D? It has to be above range? fifty. It has to be above fifty. Above vitamin 50. D as well. Yes. What? What actually? Um, the last time I spoke to one of my GPs, they were saying that um, if it's above thirty, um, people are supposed to supplement it themselves. Below thirty. There are ways that actually uh, the GPs treat people with uh, vitamin D deficiency, but at, the pr- at present, because of the lack of sun outside there, we all need to try and supplement it ourselves. But not people with kidney disease, because it has to be monitored. You can't end up with too much calcium. You can't end up with. It just has to be monitored. Okay, so okay. You, you shouldn't assume <clears throat> that because you're a kidney patient, automatically you should just you take no, vitamin D. No. No, just remember too much of it is bad. Too much of anything, too little of everything is bad. It has to be right. So unless you know what your levels are, don't try to supplement things. I remember there was somebody because there was a, there was a time people were talking about bicarbonate of soda. I don't know whether that they treat kidney disease. Somebody said that. And I visited a family who were saying that. But that the person did not need that. Right. It was the wrong thing to do. So just because they are talking about it on the telly doesn't mean that it's right for you. Yes. You have to go back and ask your consultant and say to yourself, to your consultant, what is it that I'm talking about? They'll tell you about it and they'll tell you why they think that either you should be on it or you shouldn't be on it. So just remember that working with your unit all the time. So this is a... a definitely a recurring theme coming through yes Um, you know don't assume because you have kidney disease that you need anything of anything you have to look at it as you as an individual your individual blood results dictate what you as an individual need to do so just because so and so benefited from taking vitamin d doesn't mean that you will you need it you are not deficient so yeah mm. it's really yeah i think 
I can't say that enough. You have mm. to take it on an individual basis. So, yes, definitely learning a lot in this. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is ALB. ALB. That's albumin. Albumin is protein levels. Proteins are made by the liver, mostly. But we also use um, albumin um, to, to, to gauge whether you are nutritionally sound. If you are well um, um, fed, your albumin should be around 35, 40, 45. I think uh, from one lab is 35 to 55. Uh, the other lab is 40 to 45, which is fine. I take 40 myself. And if you are less, then it, it worries because what transport pa- uh, medicines from your mouth, your digestive system to your big toe and back, they have to be carried by albumin. It's almost like the transport system. It's, it's, it's on the trams or the Uber of, of, of the of the body. They carry they carry oh, some stuff. They carry medicines. They carry whatever around your body and back. So you need to have enough. Um, and that is also h- how we we um, gauge whether you are well fed. I remember if I go to someone who has got an a, a albumin of less than 35, I worry about uh, what are they eating? Are they eating enough protein? It's protein. Are they eating enough protein? If they are not, I took the family to say, you know what, give him a bit of more fish or whatever, depending on what they eat. Um, and then they are fine. Um, so albumin is a very good marker of nutrition. And if you go in intensive care with a very low albumin, you won't make it because then you don't have any transport for your medication and things like that wow yeah so what's so it's just the normal range for album it's actually 35 to about 45 from one of the labs that i work with but i know that the queue is 40 to something so i so this is why i say i just take 40 <laughs> okay um Anything above 40 is a bit better. Anything below is not good at all because then you go into problems of poor nutrition. You know, you can get infections with poor nutrition. You can you can get, if it's really low, where somebody's losing a lot of protein, like <clears throat> people with high ACRs, you can get to a point where there is so little albumin in your blood ve- in your blood vessels that the, 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 the vessels actually, inside the vessels, that pool that keeps water in the vessels gets lost because there's not enough albumin going around. And then you start having water seeping into your, into your tissues and the person swells so much. That type of swelling where you are somebody swelling because of a low albumin level, you can't give them uh, uh, water, uh, water tablets to fetch that that water out because there's not there's no water in the blood vessels. You almost have to put the the the, the, the protein back mm-hmm. by either putting it through the vein or making sending that patient to a dietitian to try and advise them to eat or treating whatever is causing that loss. If it's those autoimmune conditions, then they get treated. Then they, the patient starts keeping their protein inside their vessels and then they don't swell anymore. Nephrotic, it's called nephrotic syndrome. I don't know whether anybody has ever heard of it. When you lose a lot of your water from your blood veins into your tissues and you just get so swollen, it doesn't look very good. 
and that person has lots of uh, they get, they are at risk of infections uh, they are at risk of clotting because your your protein is also responsible for the clotting mechanisms uh, so if they are flying anywhere they need to be on a blood thinning tablet if they don't you probably hear that they've actually died or whatever because they they have clotted uh, their vessels they've had the pulmonary embolism or something so those people are, are, are at risk of clotting. Those people are at risk of infections. So they need to be looked after well. And also you need to replenish the protein bar. So albumin is very, very important um, in life. Wow. The next one on the list is glucose. Glucose is, is, is um, the, the, the glucose that we eat. Um, most of our carbohydrates are turned into glucose and are stored as glucose in the body. Um, so we need glucose. We actually need glucose, but we only need it in its rice amounts. If we end up eating too much glucose, we end up with it being stored away in our bodies. Um, normal should be about four to about seven. When it gets, if, if somebody does a random glucose check and is 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 seven and above they could be diagnosed with diabetes. So too much glucose will, will cause you diabetes. Right. Now, uh, diabetes it actually then happens because either that person is eating too much and, and there's resistance to the insulin, insulin that they, they, they actually uh, take, that they actually produce from their, their, their pancreas. Now, for us to live daily, we need energy. Energy is produced in, in our cells. And glucose is used to produce that energy. But this glucose cannot just go into the cell by itself. It needs insulin to open the door for it to get in. So insulin is almost like the key that allows the glucose to get into your cell for the cell to make energy so that we live. Right. Okay. So what then happens is if we are eating so much of it, we don't need so much of it. So we stash it away. We stash it and then we get big and we we, we store it as fat, mm-hmm. which is not good. Um, so what we tend to do, like a lot with the diabetics, actually, when we change all the, like, the, the, the tablets and whatever, whatever, is try to make sure that they can still have that energy produced and that they live i sort of find sometimes we talk about diabetes and things like that but we don't really talk about we talk about glucose but we don't talk about why we need the glucose without the glucose we die without the glucose to make us energy we die but we just need it in the right amount and when we actually have eaten so much that the the body cannot even recognize the the insulin anymore when we have insulin resistance then the key goes Right, and we don't have anything to take the food to the, the, the glucose into the cell to produce energy, and we can actually die from that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so glucose is very important in it rise in its right amounts. Very important. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want too much of it, and we don't want too little of it. Okay. Wow. Okay, the next one on the list is HbA1c. Yeah, that is the way we we um, we measure glucose 
over a period of 90 days. Right. Okay. So all those who come to the, oh, I've got clinic next week. Let me eat properly now but so that I have my blood taken. No. Because <laughs> we we've know. got record. <laughs> yeah, we know about it. So so um, we check that HB1C and um, we know. It, it, it is, it's actually also, we are moving away from the old expression to the newer one now, uh, which is from 4858. Uh, that is the normal. Uh, and it's, uh, anything below 42 is, 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 is normal for somebody who's on treatment, 4858. Right. Normal for anyone who is normal, who does not have diabetes, is anything below 42. Now, from 42 to 47, that's when they say, from 43 to 47, that's when they say you are pre-diabetic. So that's when you are encouraged to, to go and try and reverse it and so that you don't actually go to 48 to 58. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Ferritin. Ferritin is stored iron. Oh. We need iron. That's the name of that we give stored iron in the body. Now, when the, we actually... um. Now, what is normal ferritin? No, I, I will have to tell you next time. Actually, because I just went out of my head. But we need iron to make red cells for our hemoglobin to be normal, for us to have enough blood to carry enough oxygen, for us to be able to run for the bus, run for the tram, run for the train, and do everything that we need to do without feeling tired and exhausted. So... When the body is making blood, it needs a lot of other things that it needs. It needs iron, which is ferritin. It needs vitamin B12. It needs folic acid. Um, and then with albumin as well, it needs some albumin as well. And then it will make a red cell, which is the good, right density, right shape, right size, and things like that. When they are all in their, in their normal levels. Okay. Now, if they are not, it will, the body will still make a red cell, but it will be either too big or too small or something, and the body can't use it. Right. So, ferritin for people with um, kidney problems, they tend to have like a problem with bleeding in their gut sometimes, and then the ferritin goes low. For people like women who uh, have got like very um, heavy periods, their ferritin also goes low. So we check on that to make sure that you are not anemic. Right. If we correct, you know, like when we send you for IV iron, when we send you, sometimes we put you on ferrous sulfate or ferrous gluconate, we are trying to put the stashes back right. with the ferritin. But and sometimes, actually, uh, your ferritin goes very high if there's an inf inflammation in the body. If your bed is grumbling or something, if it's it got an infection or there is some condition which is coming up, it, it just goes up to show that there's something not right here. So the, you can have like a, a false high just because your body is not very happy with something else. So you need to actually, when you're looking at it, you need to also look at the person, see how they are and things like that. So this is why sometimes I always say, you know, when, when, when you come to clinic and your, your doctor comes and picks your notes up and they go back to their room, they go and look at all that and make those decisions first before you come in. And by the time they come to call you, they say, come in, 
all that has been going out through their mind. And then they sort of look at you to see the picture of how you are and look at the blood results and think, oh, you're going to be all right. I'll give you three months. If there's something that they're worried about, they probably bring you back in two months to see what it is like again. You see what I mean? Yeah. So in case you wondered, why they take my, 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 my nose in and then they don't come out and then they come out later on. They, we have to put all those pieces together. To come up with what's what's happening, and what what happens as well if you've got your your iron, your 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 ferritin, your uh, uh, um, folic acid, your B twelve, and everything else that you need for to make a blood cell in the body, when they are all right and you're still anemic, that's when we give you EPO. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ah, that makes sense. Yes, makes and to make sense. sure that you are all right, we check the hemoglobin which was down at the bottom there, I'll just bring it here. The hemoglobin, the HBG, remember the one that's HBGL, G stocker. Yeah, we check your hemoglobin. That is what shows us whether you're anemic or not. And we want your hemoglobin to be above 105. Right. Okay. This is just blowing my mind, all of this. It really is. I'm just so learning so much. It's amazing. Um, after ferritin, it says transferrin. Transfer. That's actually other the other markers we check as well. They go they go together. When you are checking for uh, anemia, you actually check for the, the iron starts right and they are transferring right. If they are all low, then you sort of have to give them the EPO then or the iron. Right. It's almost like markers that tell you that confirm to you that actually that person needs some iron. You have to look at all those things. Cool. I know. <laughs> the next one you touched on which was hbg yes hemoglobin yeah it should be above one 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 hundred and five um if we are bringing it up with uh, you know you know sometimes for a man's hemoglobin can go to 118 or something like that no more but we never do that when we're using ipo because we're doing it artificially so we, we just want it somewhere not too much so 105 to about 113, that's fine. 115, that's fine. We never go to work for it to sort of like be like the body was doing it itself because we're doing it artificially and you don't want then because when you when you increase the, 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 the hemoglobin, the viscosity of the blood changes. What's viscosity? The thickness of it. Right. The gloopy the gloopiness. <laughs> 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 and you don't want it to be too thick because then you start having clots. Right. And you start causing problems. So we never want it to be normal, but we want it somewhere where you are functionally well. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. Um, the next one is WBC. That's the white cell, white cells. White cells, actually, oh. white blood cells. White cells are soldiers. They fight. So they have to, if I think it's about, the levels are from 8 to about 10 or about 11. Um, if they get too high, then we suspect that you've got an infection somewhere. And that will also be confirmed by the CRP right. or ESR, those, those ones as well. They actually confirm that actually something ends right in there. Look for it. That's when I sort of say, how is your urine? Was it smelly or whatever? Or how have you been feeling? Have you been feeling hot or cold? Because there is something happening. It actually tells you that actually, you know, although this person is looking fantastic in front of you, something is happening. So sometimes with people, like if 
their diagnosis was they have lots of UTIs. I will just send the urine sample, just find out. And after time, actually, you find they, are, they put an infection. So white cells, a high white cell count, this means to you that the body is fighting something in there. Right. The soldiers are activated. They are fighting. Do something. Look for it. Oh. Yeah. The next one is um, PLAT. Platelets. Platelets actually are, are clotting. You're clotting. If, and INR as well. Platelets and INR, they sort of like um, uh, uh, the same sort of thing. They show that actually you are not in at risk of uh, of um, of um, um, bleeding. Uh, so you check those. I can't remember the the the, the, the levels of platelets. Of the platelets. I will have to come back with it, with them. But um, if they are too low, then the person will clot, will, will, will bleed. Sorry, will bleed, and that is not a good thing. So you. So each time you come to clinic, we are checking all those things. We are checking whether you can you, you bleed. Remember, I said actually, actually, if you you have got kidney disease, you have got a tendency of bleeding in your inside your gut as well. Yeah. So if yeah. your platelets were not right, you would need to correct them. If they are right, then you are fine. Then you need to you know sometimes we give you lansoprazole and things like that to coat your stomach so that you don't actually get um, it doesn't get eroded by the gastric juices in your in your tummy at all and things like that. So we 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 try to give you. I know you are on lansoprazole, are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So we give you all those things <laughs> to protect you from having all those problems. So that you are as well as possible. Okay? Yeah. So INR also, actually, the normal is one for INR, 1.0. Um, we we also give you, check that. But if, let's say, you are put on warfarin or you are put on a blood thinning tablet, they may want it to be about like 2.5 or 2.3 or something like that, a therapeutic one. If somebody has had a history of clotting, then you don't want them to clot again. So they will have their normal, a therapeutic normal, but the normal INR is 1.0. So if somebody was well and everything else, nothing happening, and I do their blood and their INR is 1.0, I'm fine. I don't have to worry about it. So platelets and INR, they're around clotting. You just need to make sure that you don't lose any blood at all. Because we can't always transfuse patients who are kidney patients because each time you transfuse someone you make antibodies against that transfusion and after two weeks or so the antibodies die down and you don't see them and everything else but when you get transplanted and you become immunosuppressed they come up and they attack the kidney Mm -hmm. so we don't want to give you transfusions we try to give you iron. We try to make sure that you got your B12. You I was telling one lady the other day, I was telling her that uh, making a red cell is like making a curry. You need some ingredients to make it. <laughs> <laughs> if one of them is not there, it will be a curry, but not as nice as, you know, somebody yeah. who's got everything. So it's almost the same as, as, as the blood really. Wow. And that, mm. that was that was um, the last one on the list. Um, was it? Yeah. Oh, my God. I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I mean, I've learned so much today. Like, um, And it just, it, it makes so much sense. Like, even when you said about, 
Because I have seen the consultant come out and take you know some notes and then the disappear and disappear. And then I'm mm. like, you you're waiting and you wonder mm. what's going on. But now even little things like that make more yeah. sense. Like yes, because they comparing. have to sit down. They have to sit down. Don't forget, you also got your results from your condition, whatever the, that condition that caused you. So you are looking at all those blood results. You are looking at all the medication. You are looking. You are trying to make sense of them. And then when you have made your mind up, say, no, I think this is because of that and this is because of that. And half the time you get there and say, you know what, from your results I did, because they've done it while you are not there. Because if they did it while you were there, you would think that they are totally ignoring you. Right. That I walked in the room and she wouldn't even look at me in the face. (laughs) (laughs) it it really makes so much sense and i'm i'm so glad that you know you've been able to go through this with me because it really helps understand you know what they're looking for and also mm. um really drumming home the point you know look you are an individual your results yes. are individual you cannot yes. compare yourself to anybody else you have to look at your results and where you need to increase or decrease or yes stay the same don't look yes. at anybody else because that is not going to help you so that definitely is the number one thing that i'll need to just keep reiterating to mm-hmm. all the listeners make sure you look at your results and what you need to do not based on anyone else but what what's normal for you and what the range is for you so that's really really important so wow I, I i feel so like empowered now <laughs> i really 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 do so <laughs> thank you thank so you. so much for sharing you will. so much amazing oh man i'm just i'm just my mind is absolutely blown thank you so much for sharing all of that knowledge with us today and i know definitely that this will help so many people thank you so much You're very welcome and thank you. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love.